Welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast, presented by Royals Review. If you want to keep updated on all things Kansas City Royals, please go visit RoyalsReview.com, or you can find them on Twitter and on Facebook. We are continuing the Twitter, uh, what's it called? The, the Twitter <laughs> protest? Uh, protest, thank you. Goodness gracious, Jeremy. We're, we're hey, keeping I've that going. All the time. Uh, you know what? If I if I'm talking on here, you would hope that I uh, know words, but I don't know words all the time. <laughs> but back to it. If you want to keep the conversation going with us, you can do that too. On Spotify, you can respond to our polls and questions and answers. If you respond to the Q and A, we will read your response on the air in the following episode. Before I bring in Jeremy officially, here <laughs> are the responses from the last episode's question and answer. After we all answered why we loved baseball, we asked you, the fans, the same thing. Why do you love the game of baseball? Luke said, my brother was a big fan in his youth and really got me to watch and interested me. And then I fell in love with those 13 to 15 Royals. So did so many of us, Luke. Just good vibes. I still love them even with this awful time. Hey, listen, we, uh, we'll all remember the good times, I guess. And uh, the Royals are, are kind of having a good time in the second half of the season. Let's go ahead and bring in my venerable co-host, Jeremy Greco. Jeremy, how are you doing this Wednesday does it, evening? Does it venerable mean old? Venerable? Just... Venerable? No, 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 no. Says, accorded a great deal of respect, especially because of age, wisdom, or character. Yeah, yeah. No, no, uh-huh, no, no. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. I'm not calling you old. Not calling you old. I said you are of good wisdom and character, Jeremy. I, I only gonna, mean the best. I was going to tell you that I'm not doing quite as well as John McMillan, but now I feel like I'm more like Zach Greinke out here. Just Oof. like, should I really be here anymore? I might be too old. <laughs> your your time might have passed. But no, Jeremy, you are you are not Zach Greinke. You're more of a... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know who you are more of right now because everyone's young. Well, no, you're not laid up and uh, trying to figure out how to throw a slider with your opposite hand. But, Uh, you know, Chris Bubich, I'm pretty sure right now is this is all part of a secret plan. He's not actually hurt. Okay, he's just going through super soldier training. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. I'm going to just let that. That's going to be the end of that because I don't know where the heck I was going. It, well, that that might be what uh, Alex Zumwalt and Drew Saylor are doing right now, I guess. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're getting the they're getting the super so- soldier serum all figured out for the Kansas City Royals. But there's uh, there's we, nothing. We sure have gone through a little roller coaster with those guys, right? Because last year we were like, oh, these guys are geniuses. They fixed Prado. They fixed Melendez. Oh, my gosh. And then we started this year. We're like, they're idiots yeah. no one on this team could hit and we're like pretty smart <laughs> listen i'm i'm over here and i think it was maybe a month and a half ago i was wondering like hey should like is alex zumwalt gonna like step away from being the actual hitting coach mm-hmm. and just be mm-hmm. more of a front office guy was, i think that was a reasonable was thing to wonder it was it was bad there for a little bit, but we have a lot of good news to talk about. Thankfully, even if that doesn't mean a lot of good news in the uh, wins and loss column, but we are uh, we're all for moral victories and individual performances in the second half of this season. But Jeremy, you brought up John McMillan, and uh, listeners might be wondering who the heck is John McMillan, and that That's is what I was wondering. Yeah, exactly. So on Wednesday, this afternoon, the Royals announced that they selected the contract of John McMillan, a 25-year-old righty, 
from double a northwest arkansas that is right he is taking it was either coleman or heasley who did that i want to say it was coleman who they called up straight from double a i cannot remember but I the guy like it was actually heasley okay you know what go go ahead and look that up for me real fast because i listen i didn't realize how far john mcmillan has come this season so he started off this year with the low a columbia fireflies mm-hmm. not, not the high a quad cities low a and he uh his esteemed nickname is the whammer not the hammer the, oh my gosh the whammer I did not know that that is amazing new favorite reliever let's go <laughs> that's that's even better than dick love lady yeah it is it absolutely is easily did go straight from double a to the mlb gotcha okay thank you thank you thank you so listen this guy hasn't allowed more than a three era across all of his appearances at any level um in double a he only allowed two earned runs over 20 and two-thirds innings good for a 0.87 era and limited his opponents to a 171 batting average for the natural so that will definitely play out of the bullpen um listen he just induces the swings and misses he's got good location um and he is we we said he's 25 and he's kind of had a weird route to professional baseball at all he was a part of that 2020 draft class and he actually went undrafted because they only had five rounds that year so a very interesting story here that i'm sure we're going to hear all about from the broadcasters and from Bally sports and things like that. So I am, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to learning more about the whammer. I, I do want to throw in there. I was looking him up on fan graphs and of course they have their own prospect ranking systems. Yeah. And they said his fastball and his slider are 70 grade pitches Woo. on the scouting scale, 20 to 80, 70 grade means two full deviations above the the standard that is and that's not what they project him to reach that's what they say he's at now that is insane absolutely insane so if he's gonna bring that heater and that slider to this bullpen we could have some fun yeah that we can we absolutely can so Listen, he he is active, according to Annie Rogers. He is with the team right now to open up a spot on the 26 man roster. The Royals sent down the uh, the loved, the beloved, if you will, Nick Whitgren <laughs> back to the uh, Omaha Storm Chasers. But to make room on the 40 man roster, because you got to think McMillan wasn't on the 40 man roster. They sent Brad Keller to the 60 day IL after his failed rehab assignment, if you will. I don't know why they don't just cut him. I I don't know either, but you got to think about it, man. The 60-day IL essentially ended his year. It's And probably his career, at yeah. least as a Royal. Yes, I I think so. I think I'm curious if they just want to let him go quietly. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. okay, this, this is it, but we're not going to put that out there. Because you accomplished the same thing. You brought up a, a bullpen True. replacement and opened up a 40-man roster spot, and his spot's going to be open after the season. Uh, concludes anyways so that um i i will say this it's it's not just the player but it's also the process why i'm excited about this move because this is definitely something like okay we're we're moving on we are taking a big swing we're not calling up colin snyder we're not calling up you know <laughs> jonah 
Depoto, I think is how you say his name. We're not calling up those guys who have very low ceilings, but we're calling up this McMillan kid who looks the part of a major league reliever, and we're going to sink or swim. That's what it is. They have minimal um, investment in him. I always advocate don't do the sink or swim approach with, you know, guys that you want to be a part of the long-term picture. But if McMillan succeeds, then it's good for the Royals. If he doesn't, they're not out a whole lot. Um, I will say Bally put out earlier that he was going to be opening the Friday game. I have not seen that confirmed anywhere, but that might be, that might be where he comes in. I don't know. Not, not going to speak to see him tonight. I, you know what? I am hoping to see him tonight as well. Um, it's the it's the third game against the Mariners. The the series is still very much in play, and I think it would be pretty cool for the Royals to get a series win over the Mariners. I not I know the Mariners aren't doing very well this season, but there's this whole um, Bobby Witt Jr. versus what the the Mariners were leading their division for what? a while. I thought they were. I thought they were closer to five hundred right now. No, no, they oh just had a game winning streak. But they lost two before they came to Kansas City, but they'd won eight in a row before that. All right, they are Where 64 and 55. They're 64 and 55. They're third yeah. in the division, man. Right, right in the right in the playoff race. Yeah, well, I I don't pay attention to standings anymore because you know it doesn't involve <laughs> the Royals. <laughs> Who can blame you? <laughs> true. Absolutely true. But yeah, so that is uh, that's going to be very interesting to watch to see how McMillan performs in his first few games. I would I'm just really looking forward to getting his baseball savant page populated because I just mm. want to see it with my own eyes. Mm-hmm, I've heard it on the mm-hmm. broadcasts. I want to see the numbers. Mm-hmm, I'm very mm-hmm. much ready for that. All right, Jeremy. But hey, let's go ahead and get into some more um, concrete good news because we got got a lot of stuff to talk about. I do, Jeremy, I'm, I'm trying to think how to do this because you brought up two very good points to talk about. You want to talk about the offensive success, especially from the younger bats as of late. Then also you wanted to talk about the three trade dead, the three trades at the trade deadline that didn't happen. You know, Brady right. Singer, Salvador Perez, and Carlos Hernandez. I almost want to talk about that first just so we can sure. uh, get it out of the way. Does that sound good? Yeah. I I fully support that. I think we're going to want to spend some time on the other one. Yes, I think we will as well. So, (laughs) so listen, let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about the trade deadline stuff, because we are we are more than two weeks removed from the trade deadline at this point. And there were mixed responses among the amongst the fan base about the team not trading away. Carlos Hernandez, Brady Singer, and Salvador Perez specifically, because those were the guys who could net a notable return. At least it Mm -hmm. was assumed that they could. Um, There's a lot of debate about what Salvador Perez could bring back. He was having a very, I, I wouldn't say a very down July. It wasn't as bad as his June, um, but he was struggling pretty bad. Uh, 70 weighted runs created plus. Um, he was a negative at the plates, a 6.18 OPS. Like that's that's not what you want to see from a power hitting free swinger like Salvador Perez. Now, after the trade deadline passes, Salvador Perez over here is uh, just looking looking the part, looking the guy that should have gotten trade away at the trade deadline. 118 weighted runs created plus. He is only striking out at a 16.4 percent clip 
which is his best rate across any of the months of this year, at least. That's probably one of his best splits in his career. I cannot confirm that. Um, and he is he's walking a ton more, 5.5%. So that is done. <laughs> 5.5%. That is sure. that, that I is mean, good. Is, you're not wrong, but that's a ton for Salvi, but <laughs> what'd you say? What'd you I say to me? I, I said you're not wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> there, there's my wife in the background making us add the explicit tag to the uh, <laughs> to the podcast once again. She's did it again, Sorry. folks. That now, it is. Now people will know how edgy we are, and they'll want yes. to listen. Uh, super edgy. Bleep yeah, date so- more. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um. No, but so I, I wanted to focus on Salvi. Then I wanted to get your uh, your take on Hernandez because I there was a debate about the fact when the right time to trade Salvador Perez would be. Um, I under and it's looking like the camp that thought it would be best to trade him in the offseason is winning this debate right now because he is, as of right now, building more value than he had at the end of July. And that's that's OK with me. Um, but it is also worth noting that, hey, the Chicago White Sox have been linked to Salvador Perez. If they hit a reset on their record and kind of start mm-hmm. over with whatever the heck they have going on this year, they might look <laughs> to 2024 and say, hey, we got to we got to make something splashy. At least we got to do something big trading for a in-division multi-time all-star catcher would certainly do that. But so. All that, Jeremy, I think Salvador Perez's trade stock is up since the trade deadline. It is trending in the correct direction towards the offseason. What are your thoughts about Salvi? Then let's hear about Carlos. So my first thought about Salvi is we know who this guy is. Everybody knows who this guy is. I don't think his trade value is necessarily going up, but it's certainly not going down. Um, And I think I think that's important that it's not going down. I also think that if I were Salvador Perez, I would absolutely 127% reject a trade to the White Sox right now. They are a mess of an organization. There are no positive vibes to be found there. And Salvi would go in there and everyone would be like, oh, well, here's our clubhouse leadership, our savior to, to, to bring a sense of, and, and you don't want that. I mean, maybe he does, but I don't think I I don't want that. I would like I to go somewhere where I'm like, hey, I'm going to be a clubhouse leader and and, you know, it'll be good. But I want I want some backup here. I don't want to be the only guy. There's a huge difference between being a clubhouse savior and a clubhouse leader, in my opinion, right. at least. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I would reject that trade, but I might go to Miami if I were Salvi. Um, but Carlos Hernandez. So. This was the, to me, the most interesting case uh, coming into the trade deadline because he'd been pitching very well out of the bullpen, um, probably the Bills' best reliever this year, uh, and and it seemed like mm, maybe you should trade him before he loses value. But like you were saying, I kind of theorized that the Royals might think, well, we can let him close some games uh, and and build more value. Uh, and trade him during the offseason because it's not like we're going to lose him. Like I just lost you because you're not here anymore. I'm going to keep talking, though, uh, just in case. Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, Carlos Hernandez has the, the theory might have been sound, but the results have not 
exactly been there. Eight runs, seven earned in 4.2 innings, four and two thirds innings, seven strikeouts, five walks, seven hits. So that's that's almost a three whip. Um, that's a 13.5 ERA. That's a 9.05 FIP. Just it has a, there's, there's nothing good coming out of Carlos Hernandez right now. And I, I don't know how many, I would argue that he's not going to get any more opportunities. He's going to lose his opportunities, but the rest of the bullpen has been worse. So yeah. things could still turn around for him. That's, that's true. He is. I think he's still going to get plenty of chances out of the bullpen, um, but he is not trending in the, in the right direction and the direction that we expected because we were here on the podcast talking about how we kind of expected him to be the closer by default. Mm-hmm. And here he is. And now I'm getting worried come, watching him come trotting out of the bullpen. Once again, it seems like it was last season all over again. This this reminds me of the people who are arguing that Matt Quattrero should be fired already. Oh my God. Like, he hasn't had a full season. They're like, well, he makes terrible decisions. And when he calls into the bullpen, y'all there ain't <laughs> a good decision in the bullpen. It ain't yeah. there. There ain't there, no one. It really isn't. Nope. So you, I don't think you can hold him accountable for that. No, I uh, I don't think he can either. This is, this is not the days of HGH and you summon Aaron Crow or Scott Downs <laughs> out of the bullpen. That is, yeah, that's a good point. Kelvin Herrera ain't coming out of that bullpen. Nope, it's it's not. It's it's gone like that. That is gone, and that's something that we kind of got to get a little uh, a little used to. Brandon Maurer might look good in this bullpen. I'm just saying. <laughs> Damn, that's uh, that's tough. That is tough. All right, listen, we're going to take a quick ad break. On the other side of this, we are going to talk about our thoughts on Brady Singer. Plus, we are going to extrapolate more on the successful young bats. Stay tuned. And we are back here on the Royals Rundown Podcast. Jake Milham here with Jeremy Greco. Before we get back into it, please make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter. You can follow us for episode updates, Royals news, and just some good old-fashioned vibes. You can follow us on Twitter at Royal Rundown Pod, and that link is going to be in the description of this episode. So, Jeremy, before we started the show, we, uh, we were talking about these three players, talking about Salvi. Carlos and Brady Singer and we were both definitely the most amped up about Brady Singer I would say oh, yeah. is the best way to put it um but I I want you to I want you to start us off on this note because I want you to say to the listeners who you compared Brady Singer to and in what year you compared him to so I said that Brady Singer basically since June I'm looking at his at his stats since June 4th um, and and the stats don't line up necessarily, but uh, the vibes kind of reminds me of 2010 Zach Granke. Everybody remembers 2009 Cy Young Award winning Zach Granke. <laughs> but 2010 Zach Granke obviously was not as good as 2009, but he was still pretty good. He had a four something ERA. Um, he he had some success in there, but that was the version of Zach Granke that the Royals traded that off season for four, four future big leaguers and one superstar with an MVP, uh, with a third place MVP finish on his record in Lorenzo Cain. Alcides Escobar was a legit major league shortstop for a period of time. 
uh, Jeremy Jeffress was a re- 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 legit reliever, <laughs> and uh, and the 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 other guy whose name is just escaping me right now, um, became wow. a huge part of the trade to the Rays, and has oh my been gosh, a big league what starter for quite a while now. What's uh, his freaking name? I'm blanking on it. <laughs> Why am I forgetting this? We're so good at this. We are. We are just podcasters in the world. I would just say the best ones about the Kansas City Royals, but I'm a little biased. So that's uh, that's Torizzi. Thank you. I knew it started with an O. He has been around a while. He's he's and he's still going. Like it's and he's been. I mean, he's never been a superstar, but he's been a legit big league starter. The team's want to have on the roster he's pitched for the astros he's pitched for the rays he's pitched for good teams yeah that he has oh, so let's because now, we're, I, we're, I, I do want to clarify sorry i i know i stopped but then i remember i had finished my thought after all <laughs> um this is not to say that the royals can trade brady singer this offseason and get four big leaguers back like that's yeah. that's a lot to ask and he's he doesn't have you know Zach Greinke did have that 2009 where you could be like okay well he was pretty good in 2010 but he was great two years ago and he's still young and Brady Singer's still young and he was pretty good last year but he wasn't I mean obviously he wasn't Zach Greinke last year it was not 2009 Cy Young Award winning right. Zach Greinke so right. four big leaguers not not gonna happen two sure three maybe maybe um, possibly and and so. I I still think he could be a very excellent trade piece in every start he makes since the, the trade deadline. I feel like his value just goes back up because everyone, there was a little bit of, well, yeah, he was great last year, but he sucks this year. What the heck happened? And, uh, and, and you know, he looks right now as good or better than he did last year. He's throwing that change up more finally. finally. Um, and, and it's working. That it is. And I do, so let's, I'm going to bring it back to the hard numbers, which folks can kind of tune out after this for, if you want, I guess. Brian Henry does a lot better job of presenting the numbers than I do. I will say that. So I'm looking at fan graphs and I'm doing the, the little comparison tool where you can pull up two, uh, two pitchers and say, okay, I want to compare them by their age, by like okay. the age 26 season. So right now, Brady, who is like just turned 27 earlier this month, is technically in his age 26 season. Right. Now, I'm looking at a few key ones. ERA, FIP, um, K over walk, like strikeout over walk ratio, things like that. Mm-hmm. They are lining up very interestingly. Oh, yeah. It's more similar than I realized. I like visually they are. The numbers might not sound like it, but visually they are. So. They're both below average in FIP in their age 26 season, which would have been 2010 for Zach Granke. Um, let's see, Brady Singer has a 3.89 FIP. Zach Granke had a 3.34 FIP. And so I will say that, because uh, I've got these numbers pulled up, Brady yeah. has a 3.23 FIP since June. There we go. All right, keep keep those numbers up because I, I want to hear it. So uh, next one I pulled up was strikeout over walk ratio. Very, very important thing. Now, the average for, let's see, this year, I want to say, yeah, this year is 2.65. 
pretty good. Brady is above average at 2.83, and Granke in his age 26 season was 3.29. How is Brady doing in this current split? Since June, a 3.72 K over BB. Yeah. Man, that'll play. That'll play. Lastly, I do want to pull up ERA because I will say I'm curious to hear the split on this because Brady's ERA is still fairly um, inflated from his early season performance, mm-hmm. I would say. But even Zach didn't have a great ERA right. in his age 26 season. Zach had a 4.17 ERA and Brady currently has a 4.91. Now, what is Brady's split right now? 3.43. Which is right there with that FIP. It's a it little is. bit below the XFIP. It's a little bit higher than the FIP. So based on, you know, what we heard from Brian a, uh, a week or two ago. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that's, uh, you wouldn't expect that to change a lot. No. That, that's about where he should be. It's it's very sustainable. Yeah. I think is the, the way to put that. So, Jeremy, I will say when... I feel like whenever you compare players or not, not just you specifically, right, but whenever right, right. someone compares two players, it, it shouldn't be taken too lightly because that becomes, you know, expectations for a career, sure. you know, skill set, things like that. The comparison to 2010 Zach Granke is fairly spot on. Right yeah, now. The, the only thing I do, I, I, the cautions I want to throw out there is again, this is, this is a half a season. It is for it Brady is. and he doesn't have that Cy Young campaign. And he's only got two and a half pitches. Zach has always had seemingly an infinite number of pitches to to succeed with. And uh, and and so you would you would probably want to project him better than you might want to project Brady, which is why I say don't think you're going to get four big leaguers for Brady. But I think two is easily doable. And if you find somebody who wants that starting pitcher enough, three, three should happen. And um, they, when they traded Granky, he had two years of control left. I believe Brady has two years of control left. There are beers, which actually makes it safer for Brady uh, if you want to trade for Brady, because with Granky, those years were guaranteed. You had to pay that money even if he fell off a cliff. If Brady falls off a cliff next year, you cut him. You don't owe him anything. So I, the, there's there's some pros and cons that make a difference there, but I I do think he's going to be an extremely valuable trade chip this winter if the Royals choose to go that route. And they may decide, no, we're going to keep him and let him headline the rotation, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, that, that we will. It's a whole big wait and see game in regards to that. I, I will say though, if, um, if they retain Brady, what, you know, once again, if they hold on to him, because I'm, sh- I can't remember this off season, if he was a legit trade candidate or not to be a, I don't truthful. think I don't think anyone was talking about trading him in this past offseason. I keep hearing and I don't remember this. So maybe you remember this or maybe our listeners can remember and can fill us in. <laughs> um, I keep hearing this idea that uh, the the hearings for the, ar- the arbitration hearings were contentious between him and the I Royals. Think, yeah. Um, and I know that they're always a little bit contentious, which is why Dayton Moore always tried to avoid them, because basically as a team, you have to go in there and be like, this guy sucks. He doesn't deserve the money he yeah. wants. Yeah. Um, and and so that could that could not be very fun if you're the player. Uh, but it sounded like it was more than the normal kind of, or at least that's what it sounds like people are saying is it's more than the, the normal kind of contentiousness. But again, I don't remember anything about that. I, I will. That's how it was definitely portrayed 
at least. Um, okay. Now I don't I don't know how much of a of a spin was put on that because at the end of the day they weren't going back and forth the Royals and Singers camp. They weren't going back and forth over a ton of money. Um, I want to say it was you know still like for you and me a sizable amount of money, but in it wasn't a large chunk of his arbitration pay is is what it would be. So I think that maybe like left a bad taste in a ma- in some people's mouths in regarding, you know, oh, they're going to have to do this again after 2023 if they don't extend him. Um, I remember Derek Cole, you know, he pitched so great for the Pirates and then the Pirates did give him a raise and he wasn't eligible for arbitration. And yeah. it felt like kind of a jerk move. Like, yeah, you don't have to give him a raise, but you should. Um, and that's, I think we all have felt that way in our lives. Probably yeah. when we're at a job and we're like, Hey, you never have to get, none of us have contracts. So you never have to give any of us a raise, but sometimes we work really hard and we, we, I think we probably deserve one that we don't get. <laughs> um, so I can definitely identify with Garrett Cole in that. And maybe Brady Singer felt the same way. He said, I had a breakout season this year and you're going to argue with me over a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. That's a that that's a good point, man. And we'll have to see how this shakes out in the off season. Definitely, I kind of kind of want to do a little bit more research about that now that we are you know nearly a year removed from those arbitration hearings. Were they actually? This season is almost over already. I I mean, I can't. I mean, not almost over, but we've only got a month and a half left. Yeah, it's uh, it's ticking. We only have about a month left of minor league baseball, which I think is going to surprise a lot of folks. Oh, it always surprises me when it happens. I'm always like, wait, what? My leagues are done? <laughs> over. What? Yeah. It's uh it's pretty crazy, man. Well, hey, let's go ahead and take another ad break and we'll <laughs> we'll finally we'll finally get to talk about yes. these offensive bats. Stay tuned. And we're back here on the Royals Rundown. Jacob Milliam here with Jeremy Greco. Before we get back into it, please remember you can always check the podcast description wherever you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever it is. And you can find where we are available on socials, both Jeremy and myself and the podcast itself. So please go support us there and check it out. All right, Jeremy, I know you have been, you've been holding it in because we, we work out of Slack and you've been filling up our Slack messages back and forth today <laughs> with like, oh my gosh, look at all these metrics. Look at all these numbers. And they, and they just really, says, they back up this eye test that we've had in the past couple of weeks. That's the the first thought I had when I saw one of these statistics. Let me pull this back up again. Um, They've been talking on the broadcast the past few nights, and yeah, I've I've been watching the team even when I'm not covering the games because instead of just checking the box scores because, hey, they're actually fun (laughs) to watch right now. Yeah, they are. That's a starting point. I got to tell you, that is a starting point that is worth paying attention to. Um, is is when the team is actually fun to watch. That that means something. Um, so Jeremy, let, let me cut you off real fast yeah. because they they are they are fun to watch. And you know, friend of the podcast and friend of Royals Review, David Lesky, in his Substack, which you are if you're not subscribed to that, you are definitely missing out on it's some great writing. It's free. I can't I can't understand why someone wouldn't subscribe because you get it in your inbox every day. You get to interact with David, and it's free. 
So I, I love it. But I'm going to quote his most recent piece here because this proves that the team is fun to watch. So since 1995, there have been 27 seasons with the first half and the second half. And he excluded 2020 there because that was a weird year. Didn't, it didn't um, even have a half. No, it didn't. <laughs> it didn't really. So of those 27 seasons, the Royals in the second half have posted a winning percentage of, you know, four of 0.45 or greater and had a second half winning percentage that was at least 40 points higher than the first half. They've done that six times. Two of those in 29 six, seasons in, in 29 seasons. So one, it's not a it's not a, you know, this is say every there's a feeling that this happens every year, but it doesn't happen like this every year. Correct. But his next line really got me excited. Two of those six seasons that that happened were in 2013 and 2014, and they actually did mean something. Now, I understand that leaves four seasons there where it didn't mean much but i i'm an optimist when it comes when it comes to them taking the next step man and it looks good so what that means is it's not guaranteed that these good positive results we're seeing right now will mean something next year but it's not as unlikely as some of the naysayers some of the pessimists would have it 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 could mean something it could there's a possibility yes and and insert so you're telling me there's a chance uh (laughs) gif here but yeah so nothing's guaranteed nothing's ever guaranteed but there's if you're optimistic you're not crazy if you're watching this right now you're like things could get better this could be really good sign you're not crazy you're not being stupid it is it could be yeah and that's it, it just backs it up a little bit and gives the optimists a little bit more hope and um, a little bit more ammunition against the eternal pessimists that are some corners of the Kansas City Royals fan base. Which and that is, that is OK. It's well earned pessimism. Yes, yes it still. is. Uh, so the stat I wanted to point out or the, the comments I wanted to point out from the broadcast is that they have been talking how Michael Massey is out there just fouling everything off. He is not an easy strikeout right now. He gets down to two strikes and that's kind of where he wants to be. Almost they argue. And I don't think that that's necessarily true, but here's a statistic from Royals farm report. uh, Great follow on Twitter. Um, And they he said there are 297 hitters with at least 100 plate appearances since June 12th. Michael Massey has 135. So he's not right at the end of that. Uh, right. sample size and in that time he has the 29th best contact rate in the mlb that means he's in the Ooh. top 90 he's in the 90th percentile here that's good yep 29th best in in zone contact rate again 90th percentile a median chase percentage so he's somewhere in the middle and 69th highest in in zone swing rate so in the comfortably in the upper reaches i think that's still 80th percentile yeah i think he, so and a Royals Farm Report argues he has completely overhauled his approach. 
Um, so yeah, the, that statistic bears out that eye test. And I, I, you know, I was watching the games the past couple of nights and it, uh, when they said, yeah, he fouls a lot of pitches off. He's hard to strike out. That's what I was seeing. He was yep. fouling pitches off. He wasn't striking out. I think he had three hits last night, including a clutch RBI hit, uh, in the part of the ninth inning rally before they eventually lost that game. If I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly. Um, so, you know, he is justifying his promotion to the three hole, which is not something I could have predicted or expected. Now, when I first saw him at the three hole, I was like, what is <laughs> happening? Yeah. And so that's, that's a huge change in his approach. Um, he's unlocked a lot of power. His ISO is way up uh, over the last period of time. I remember we were watching, you know, when he, when they went to, when they went to the Yankee stadium and he had three home runs in that series mm, and it was yeah. like, Oh Yeah. And I made the point at the time, I think I made the point um, that those home runs were not just like, oh, yeah, Yankee Stadium, left-hander, short porch home runs. Those were legit home runs out in all 30 stadiums. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's continued to show that power. He's hit several more home runs, a bunch of doubles, and just generally been a reasonably good hitter. Now, he's not a superstar, but with his defense up the middle, if he can hit, 90 90 wrc plus or higher he will be a very valuable piece on this team exactly and right now i think he's above 90 wrc plus in recent history i don't i i closed all my windows like a dummy <laughs> so i don't have that pulled up right now but i believe that is correct well so it's it's not just you know we're hearing all the headlines about bobby witt jr michael right. massey is is and another one bobby witt jr is earning those headlines yes I, yes i want to yes. talk about that too but yeah. yes before before we get to him because it's and you brought up before we started mj melendez is having a a resurgence at the plate since the all-star break and annie rogers put together a great piece talking about the adjustments that mj did at the break the third time we talked about the adjustments mj has made this year i just want to throw that out there yeah 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 all that I want to point back to Jake Eisenberg shared this from the Royals media guide. So appreciate that. Um, and he said that the Royals have been the best offense in the American league since July 28th. Uh, that's 16 games. And if uh, I want to, but still, yeah, it, it is. It, I'm not saying it's a big, but it's like, it's nearly 10% of a season. So like, True. that's a, that's True. a good chunk. Um, what happened in that game was Bobby Wood Jr. hit the walk-off grand slam. So it feels like things have <laughs> been flying since he's then. Two grand slams in the in past six, couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. With an heck? inside the park home run. Yes. He is all over the place. And I'm I, just so we're clear, they're not taking that away from him. People are like, no. oh, he touched his glove. They're going to turn it into an error. No, they're not. You don't. Yeah. T- they might take away a double. They're not taking away an inside the park home run. It's not happening. Nope, not happening. But the Royals as a whole have made a huge turnaround in that span. They rank first in runs per game, first in hits, tied for first with 25 home runs. They only have 30 strikeouts as a team in 16 games. Or, ah, hmm, I misread it. I'm sorry. That is definitely SB, not SO. <laughs> <laughs> I got very excited for a second. I was like, wow, they're yeah. really good at the plate. <laughs> Um, they have 30 stolen bases, which is still first in the American League. Nearly a 300 batting average. They're tied for first in home runs and they're first in stolen bases? Yeah. I'll take that. 
and they're first in OPS, man. 0.849. I, that. that is that is great. For, yes. for those of you who want the simple stats, yes, tied for first in home runs, first in stolen bases. Yes, we good? We happy? Yes. Yes, I hope we're happy at this point. I am. So we've got we've got and what's powering this, right? Is is Bobby Witt Jr. absolutely having a star turn. We've got yeah. Michael Massey can't strike him out, hitting the ball with authority. We've got Salvador Perez doing Salvador Perez things. And and we've got uh we've got NJ Melendez is, has tapped back into his power. And then one more guy I want to mention while we're here mm-hmm. is uh Mr. Michael Garcia. Okay. Who uh who has on a how many game hitting streak now? I want to say 16. 16, 17, 16. something like that. Actually, no, to, 17, excuse 17. me. 17. Trying to pull up the splits on this. And I complained that he's not hitting for enough power, and he, he's still not. He's got an ISO over that time of 0. 0.058. It's not That's good. Probably not going to cut it at the hot corner. Um, two doubles, one triple, no homers. Four stolen bases, two caught stealing. Also won't cut it. But at 113 WRC plus, hitting 348, he's had he's got four straight multi-hit games now. That's crazy. Um, he's just all he has to do is find a little bit of power. And it doesn't have to be home run power. It just needs to be doubles power. Yeah. And the guy is instantly a core piece. He's a star. You're ready to go with that defense and get that speed. Get Stop getting caught so much. Get, st- actually steal those bases. And, and we're good. So exactly. I, I am a little concerned. He does have a 414 BABIP, which that's that's, that's big. All, that's big. That's um, <laughs> which reminds me, you know, people are probably out there going, oh, Bobby Woods doing all this stuff. He's got a 370 BABIP. Oh, boy, that's oh, come on. Like, that's not sustainable. And no, probably not super sustainable. But Dan Zimborski, uh, I, I love Dan Zimborski. You got to follow him on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, he is a great Twitter follow. Great to interact with writing for fan graphs. Uh, pulled out his really? zips. He runs the zips. He's great. Pulled it out and said, yeah, he's got a 370 BABIP. What's what should his BABIP be? Let me use zips to tell you. 359. Oh, yeah. That's oh, what his BABIP man. should be based on how he's been hitting the ball. That because ain't that far from 370, y'all. It's not. It's really not. And remember, we were talking like, about he's all earning this. this. He's earning this for real. He is. And we were talking about, remember a couple of months ago, we were talking about like, oh, his BABIP's so low. His expected batting average is so high. There's a huge difference. This is how the MLB just works itself out statistically sometimes. I don't, I can tell you why. He's crushed two grand slams in the last couple of weeks. (laughs) Like, you don't do this entirely by accident out here. No, certainly don't. He's hit other home runs in there too. He's, he's been absolutely on fire um i i I was gonna say if i if you could buy stock in baseball i would buy bobby witt right now buy 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 slam that buy button i can buy stock in baseball i mlb the show basically there's a baseball (laughs) stock market and i am buying bobby witt let me tell you buying bobby witt all day long Uh, one more stat i wanted to give you about bobby witt uh, from some tweets that we were looking at and that I shared Nick with you. Hell. Uh, is that from Nick Kappel on Twitter? Kappel. I don't actually know who that is, but somebody retweeted him into my timeline. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. is now on pace 
for 30 homers, 45 stolen bases. Now, I remember earlier this year, we were asking, could he get to 2030? We were asking. Yeah. Um, and I said, I don't know about if he can hit 20 home runs. 30 stolen bases, it's almost guaranteed. Don't know about 20 home runs. He's already stolen 30 bases. That's done. He's already hit 20 home runs. That's done. Uh, so now he's on pace for 30 home runs and 45 stolen bases. That combination has been matched in a single season only five times in Major League history. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. 1969, Bobby Bonds. Everybody remembers Barry. Bobby was something <laughs> himself. Um, 1987, Eric Davis, legit superstar. 1990, Barry Bonds, legit superstar. 1998, Alex Rodriguez. Don't care what you think about the guy. Don't care about the steroids. Legit superstar. 2012, Mike Trout. The best baseball planner player on the planet not named Shohei Otani Um, we're getting there so that if he pulls off the 3045 that this is not you know always got 12 home runs in day games this season and no one ever (laughs) does that this is this is over a full season of production of power speed Defense, his defensive numbers, we've been talking about it all year. His defensive numbers are insane. I think he's still leading the major leagues every position in outs above average. As you can hear me typing, keep going. Uh, and and he's he's doing it all out there, everybody. He is doing it. Oh, you are, you, we are all, I think, all of us football fans in Kansas City have, have been rightfully excited. We're watching history of Patrick Mahomes, right? Patrick Mahomes is a Hall of Famer. We all know this already. The only question is how many Super Bowls will he win before he goes to the Hall of Fame? Yeah. I think, and it's so exciting to watch history in the making, especially as Kansas City fans because we've never seen this before. I, I'm too young for to to have seen George Brett. Um, so I Damn. I've never gotten to see a Hall of Famer, a future Hall of Famer, play for my team, and maybe. Bobby Witt doesn't turn into a future Hall of Famer. Maybe this all evaporates in a week. But I'm not. This isn't coming out of nowhere. There was a reason he was drafted as high as he was. Anybody would have taken him there. He's had superstar potential from the first day any of us have heard his names. This this is exciting. This is worth watching. Whether the team is good or not, watching Bobby Witt Jr. turn into a superstar in front of our very eyes, very exciting. And I'm telling you, I think I tweeted about this on Twitter. Uh, Somebody said that uh, John Sherman should go ahead and just give him like a 200 million contract extension, lock him up for a long time, and everyone would stop talking about how cheap John Sherman is. I will personally retract Every accusation of cheapness <laughs> I have ever made against John Sherman, if he locks Bobby Witt up for the foreseeable future, if he gives or gives JJ Piccolo the money and says, make it happen, I'm not going to argue about $1 million like David Glass did with uh, Carlos Beltran. Get this guy, keep him here in Kansas City, and, and we're going to do this. Um, I will, I will, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe I can make a promise to not complain about the team for a whole month. <laughs> Something. Don't, don't go a month. Go maybe a week. 
You'll give yourself a week or something. Man. Definitely do a week. Like yeah. this, this is exciting. This is this is what we've all been hoping for. This is what we wanted from Adalberto Mondesi and never got. This is real. This is yeah. really happening right now. And I would rather be on the side of being in awe, of being excited, of watching every Bobby Witt Jr. at bat and find out later, oh, no, it didn't quite work. Then be the guy who was like, well, <laughs> you know, he's just going to, this is Royals. He's going to turn into a garbage fire any day now and just not care. And then watch him go ahead and turn into that superstar man. Go, man, I wish I paid more attention when this was yeah. starting. So, Jeremy, I have one more question for you, but I have one more update to you. Bobby Wood Jr. isn't just leading the MLB in outs above average, according to Baseball Savant. He has a two-run lead over Dansby Swanson. He has 15 15 outs above average. And second place, Dansby Swanson has 13. It's a lot, y'all. That is is. is a huge lead. It is a lot. That is almost... I don't... I don't know exactly what two out of 15 is percentage wise, but it's almost 20%. Three out of 15 is 20%. So I guess it's, it's like probably like 13%. He's 13% better than anybody else. It's yeah. huge. It is. It's massive, especially in an area that we thought he was going to struggle in again. Right. Right. I was one of those people who's like, ah, just keep him in third base. Let's not worry about this shortstop defense stuff. I was, I'm here to tell you, I was wrong. I was very I was wrong. I'm glad I was wrong. But I, I, wrote I, a, and I, I, I won't say it again. Bobby Wood Jr. is a shortstop yeah. from now on. Unless he, he pulls like a Cal Ripken and he's around 20 years from now, then he could play some third base. Yeah, that's, that's fine. I think, I think we'll cross that bridge if we get there. <laughs> so, Jeremy, to close out the podcast, and I know we've been going on a little while. So, I got one question for you. Which would be more deflating to the fan base, in your opinion? Salvador Perez getting traded or Bobby Witt Jr. not being extended this offseason? That is a difficult question. My gut says that trading Salvador Perez would be more deflating because it's not like Bobby Witt Jr. leaves this offseason if they don't extend him true people true. can still say to themselves oh they'll extend him next offseason or next offseason you know he's still on a, he's not even to arbitration yet no um but i gotta tell you you want to play like the smarter teams this is what the, the braves are out here doing right they're signing ronald acuna they're signing michael harris the second they're signing these guys to long-term contract extensions as they're becoming superstars not after Right. As they're becoming superstars and they're keeping them in town and they're winning a heck of a lot of games. You want to be one of those smarter franchises? Yes. There's an element of be more transactional. Absolutely. There's also an element of, hey, pay your superstars, keep them in town and, and let's go win some baseball games. Or if you're on the other side of the street, pay your superstars named Chris Jones, keep them in town, go win some Super Bowls. So, hey, by the way, my wife was chiming in her her um, pick for that question. She said trading away Salvador Perez. Yeah, yeah. I think be- a lot of people would be disappointed if Salvi goes. I think it would be good for the team. I think. There you go. She just said that they can't trade Perez. And you know well, what? It'll it'll be that's a it's a tough call, man. I mean, I, and they absolutely need to get 
They prop they're if they're gonna trade him, they have to eat some money. They have to get some legitimate prospects back. If they just trade him for salary relief, that will be that will be a disaster. Yeah. Of, that's true. Because the analytics people and the the casual fans will both riot. And you gotta keep one of those groups happy. <laughs> true. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that would be disappointing for a lot of people. I also think it would be the right move. I think that it's probably time you, you gave Salvador Perez his chance to be captain. Um, it's probably time to let him go play somewhere else. He's not going to be part of the next winning team. Probably um, not as a starting catcher. At least he just, just doesn't got it that much anymore. He, he can't frame. He can't throw. Um, and his hitting is just not enough to support the rest of that. So it, true. it's it's time to move on. And whether it's Freddie Fermin is the answer, whether it's somebody else, um, maybe you get him Jay Melendez back behind the plate. Um, the, it, it's time to it's time to move. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I hope that they do both for their own sake and for Salvi's sake, because I'd like Salvi to have, you know, another shot in the playoffs. Can you imagine how exciting it would be to see Salvi in Miami? With a with a playoff caliber team, he would be so much fun to watch down there. You would. So I will, I, I will say this about Salvi: the they they just need to commit to to one thing or another. They need to commit to like taking the George Brett route because after a while, Brett got phased out of third base altogether. It was about 1988; he got mm-hmm. phased out. And then by 1993, he played in 140 games and they were all DH DHs. He wasn't <laughs> even playing defense anymore. Um, if they want to commit to that, cool. I'd, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to listen to it. But that, you I, know, do, I, I will say I got to get this out of the way. It, I will be more disappointed if they don't extend Bobby Witt Jr. Because that is fair. that is just saying to me, not, not a whole lot has changed. We're not following this blueprint that not only is working around the MLB, but it has been working for a while around mm-hmm. the MLB. It's not. And you know what? The Atlanta Braves took it to took it to the to the greatest reaches of it, I guess, is the term for it. Mm-hmm. Like anyone that was on the up, they were signing to long term deals. I understand that. And I'm not saying that they do that. I'm not saying they go out and sign Michael Massey to a 10 year deal. I don't want, you know, MJ Melendez here for another eight years, you know, stuff like that. I don't want to see that. But the Rays, we all talk about how we want to be the Rays. What did the Rays do? It's it's not a good look. But right now they they signed a up and coming shortstop to a multi-year deal. And it's not a great look right now. But that's not because of his on the field production. there's, There's an element of risk there. And this is the thing that kind of bothers me is everyone talks about, oh, well, when you're a you're a small market team, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. When you're a small market team, if you want to compete, one thing you have to do is you have to take chances. Those chances Mm -hmm. have to pay off. If those chances don't pay off, you're in much worse trouble than, you know, if the Yankees pay some guy two hundred million dollars and it doesn't work out. They go, okay, well, let's find the next two hundred million dollar contract and they move on. If the Royals do that, yeah, they're in trouble for for a while. But if they, they don't are. do that, they don't have guys to play. They don't have stars to lead the team. This is right. what happened. And and it was probably wise of them to not, you know, bring in Hosmer and Mustakis and Kane 
uh, bring them back, as we we later learned, for long-term contract extensions. They didn't do it, and the team just fell apart. And and that's what's going to happen now is like, oh, we're starting to build some steam. We're starting to see, you know, these guys are all hitting. And Vinny Pasquantino, don't forget, Vinny Pasquantino (laughs) still looks like he could hit if his shoulder's still attached. If it's uh, what 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 was our term? If, if it's it, stabilized, if it's stable, yeah. If, if they can stabilize his shoulder, you know, we he can probably still hit. You put him back in the middle of this order, and, and maybe you got something going here. Um, Nelson Velasquez doesn't look like a bad acquisition. Maybe you go out and get one or two more free agents. And um, Drew Waters looks like a guy who can. We forgot to mention Drew Waters. He's got a, a WRC plus over one hundred. You put him back in center field. Instead of right field, that'll play. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a lot of positives right now. And excuse me, the Royals need to uh, they need to they need to grab that. They need to grab it and and run, and and not just sit there and go. Oh, we gotta be cautious. We gotta be cautious. Can't afford to pay anybody any money that they're not gonna earn. No, you got. Sometimes you gotta take chances. That's true. And I am. You know, we've been talking about batting right now, but I'm looking at all these guys that the Royals have right now that are, you know, above average on defense. Oh, and yeah. That's, you know, Bobby Wood Jr., Michael Garcia, he ranks sixth, he, or he's tied for sixth, excuse me, in all of Major League Baseball at a position he barely played before this year. I think he had a handful of starts at AAA, and that was it. Boom, go do it. And he's done it very well. As as much as we dog on Kyle Isbell for his hitting at times, one, he is on an upswing right now with his plate approach, if uh, if my memory is serving correctly. And he's still a six outs above average guy in center field. Michael Massey, same thing. Drew Waters, above average. It's it, it, a lot of aspects with these position players are looking fairly good right now. It's it's all about the pitching. And we and we know that. And we saw it last night against or excuse me, on Tuesday with Jordan Lyles. We did. We saw how how deep that hole was that a starter like that can dig. Mm-hmm. And we saw the team surge back, but it didn't matter because that hole was just too dang deep. So if listen, if they hold on to Brady Singer and if they go out and make like one or two legitimate moves, like you're you were talking about chances. How how big of a chance was it that the Royals sent away their top overall prospect and other pieces to get James Shields from the Tampa Bay Rays back when it was, that was the catalyst. We all know that. Yep. Uh, and, and like and trading Zach Greinke was a chance. I know was. that was kind of forced on them, but that was a chance. Um, I think you could have said, no, we're not trading you. Sorry, you signed a contract. They could have done that. They said, all right, listen, we're going to do right by you. We're going to take a chance. We're going to trade you. We're going to see what happens. It worked out. Um, like you said, trading my, uh, Will Myers, not Michael Myers. That's someone else entirely. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, trading Will Myers. Uh, Jake Odorizzi was was a top pitching prospect, actually. Um, you know, that was that was a risk. Honestly, going into 2015, signing Edinson Volquez and uh, and Kendrys Morales, those were risks. Um, sometimes it pays off. Does, sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Omar Infante, Alex Rios, like a word. Uh, <laughs> but 
this is this is what I'm talking about is like chances have got to be taken if you want to go to the postseason. Uh, and if you don't take chances, then you don't go. Yeah, that's true. See, I want to even the Astros understand that sometimes you got to take chances. They just went out and got Justin Verlander again. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> he made a trade for Justin Verlander again. Got to take a chance. He yep. still got it. He does. Got to give us some prospects. Got to get this done. Random last stat for for today. We're talking about Salvador Perez earlier on. The man has a 4% success rate added at first base. Are you telling me he's a good defensive first baseman? Yeah, baseball savant has his estimated success rate at 82%. So that's calculating exit exit velocities, positioning, all that jazz. His success rate is 86%. Oh, what do you know? I, know. I, know, right? I was going to say earlier that if Salvador Perez were to convert to designated hitter, maybe convert to first base and get some of that life back in his bat, then maybe he can be a part of, of a future team that's good. And it's not like they have designated hitter or first base locked down. Vinny Pasquantino plays one of those, um, but Salvi could play the other. Nick Prado has not proven himself yet. Hasn't yes. happened. And he's still hurt, too. I yes. I didn't re- think he was going to be out this long, but I didn't either. He sure has not come back. I'm not sure what's going on there. I hope he doesn't have Keller disease. Um, <sighs> I hope not. He can play some outfield. He can. He, he won't embarrass himself as badly as Fran Mill Reyes or <sighs> Edward Olivares or even MJ Melendez. I hope not. Listen, I'm I'm going to give it like three more weeks until the Edward Olivares back to the major league crew comes out because he's absolutely mashing in AAA right now. He's uh, abusing that pitching. Ed, Edward Olivares needs to play in a non-American league or a non-US does. league. You're right. He will have a lot of success. He'll be very happy. I'll be very happy for him. It's not working out in the big leagues. That's true. That is true. Uh, Ryan McBroom laid that blueprint out for uh, for Edward to run. And I... I I know I, I say this a lot, but like it could work out pretty good for you to go to another league. We've it heard could. we've heard guys talk about like how nice it is to to have a lot of success. I mean, honestly, winning and success and they don't get paid as much in the other leagues, but they they get paid, especially mm-hmm. if you go to like the Japanese league, you'll get paid. Um, So, you know, it's not like if you go to the to the NPB or you go to the to the korean baseball league that you're not going to get paid that you're going to be miserable no you can still have a good time over there yeah Uh, you're still playing baseball for a living i mean come on and and just like just go watch the movie mr baseball from selling (laughs) like it can be great you could find a beautiful japanese wife and and just have a good time and learn how to bunt everything can go your way I'm I'm not expecting him to learn how to field in the NPV though. <laughs> that that might be a brutal experience to watch. One I, I know I said one last thing on the Salvador thing. I'm I'm looking at George Brett's like, hey, where did he line up at after you know as he got older? Yeah. It's it's looking here that by nineteen eighty seven, which was his age thirty-four season, he started transitioning to be a full time first baseman or DH player. By 19, like in 1988, age 35, he played 124 games at first base. Am I saying that Salvador Perez is going to be George Brett? No. Both of them have. I wish. It it would be great. 
it would be awesome because i mean george won that that mvp and then he was an all-star multiple times after that yep but if there's so many fans that keep on saying that hey we just we just want salvi here for his entire career like that's the I don't think a whole lot of folks care if he like plays at a high level his entire career. They just want him in Kansas City his entire career. And say it, say the it, thing Jeremy. about keeping Salvador Perez is it doesn't make it impossible to win. It makes it harder. It makes it harder to win because that's if he's not hitting at a high level, then that's a spot in your lineup that's not hitting at a high level. He's not offering defensive uh, value and he's not offering any speed. No, he's not. <laughs> Really not. <laughs> oh man, watching him run the bases is painful sometimes. <laughs> it really uh, is. But I, I get it. I love him too. If they can find a way to win with him, great. I'm all for it. Let's do it. If they need to trade him, if they can get some good pieces back, I think they gotta do that. Yeah. You, you guys do is, what's best this for is what it come this is what it means to be more transactional. This is what we've been asking for. Does it mean sometimes you have to let guys go when they're just not helping you anymore? Yeah, that's that's absolutely what being more transactional is. All right. Before we move on to Royals review reviews, I do want to give a little congratulations to Miguel Cabrera, who hit his 509th career home run. Um, I believe it was Tuesday night. Um, tied for 26th on the all-time home run list. I, he's him. doing a, He's doing his farewell tour. He's only had two home runs all year, man. It oh is, man, yeah. He and Adam Wainwright, they make me sad. I know, I know. It's uh, they, I I saw somewhere out there that Miguel Cabrera is the only active player who has played against the Montreal Expos. Like that's ah, <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> You want to talk about a little bit of a weird time overlap. That is uh that's one right there. All right, Jeremy, I'm going to start us off tonight with uh four reviews, if you don't mind, because do. I am, um, I don't, I don't watch a whole lot of different stuff. Like my wife and I were watching through sons of anarchy right now. And we've been powering through that. Like we watched it started a couple of weeks ago. We're already on season five. It, it is amazing. We absolutely love it. But you also know that my love for Timothy Oliphant trumps all. Yes. <laughs> and I watched a movie movie from 2010 called The Crazies. I had not seen it yet. Okay. Um, it was very, very good. Um, Oliphant plays a like a small town sheriff. Um, some weird like folks start acting crazy. Um. And then there's a huge twist that propels the, the rest of the movie. I don't want to give it away, um, but it is very much a survival horror thriller thing going on here. It's not like, a, you know, not horror like the ghost is going to come out of the walls, but, you know, horror as in, you know, your best friend for no reason is going to start trying to gun you down. Excellent. So Always it was. Time. It's very good. It was from 2010, which I was going to say, oh, I watched this old movie, which it's 13 years old. But calling anything from 2010 old just doesn't feel right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> feels so wrong. Oh, all right. On that depressing note, Jeremy, what do you got for a review this week? I am going to give you I think I've reviewed this before, but I'm not I haven't really been able to watch anything new lately. Um, So I'm going to give you. My dress up, darling, 
which is an anime that is out. I think it's on Crunchyroll. Um, it's about this uh, teenage guy uh, who wants to paint. I think they're called Hina dolls. They're a traditional Japanese doll and they're handcrafted. You cannot make these with a machine. You have to do it by hand. Um, you paint their faces with makeup and, and you do like you have to sew their garments and put their hair in and do all this stuff. And this is what he wants to do with his life. But he's kind of struggling right now. He's really good at the makeup stuff, but the, um, or wait, maybe he's really good at one part of it, but not so much at another part of it. He's not sure what to do. And of course, he doesn't talk about this to anybody. He doesn't have any friends because he has this weird hobby and he's scared to talk about it with anybody because they'll be like, what, you want to make dolls? But you're a guy. <laughs> uh, by the way, he's, his grandpa owns a Hina doll shop. So it's like, oh, oh okay. That, that's where he gets it from. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but you know how kids are. Anyway, so he um, he's trying to work on his sewing skills. And he's his his sewing machine at home is broken. So he's he's like, I'll use the one at school. Because apparently in Japan, high schools have sewing clubs. Um, which is not a thing I would expect to see in the United States, but it happens in Japan from time to time. This is not the first time I've heard of a sewing club in Japan. Um, so he goes to the sewing club and he's using their sewing machine. And this girl walks in, this super popular girl from the school. And it turns out she's into cosplay, but she can't sew to save her life. And so they kind of get together um, n- eventually romantically but to start just kind of as friends who support each other's kind of like offbeat hobbies like he doesn't judge her for being into cosplay and she doesn't judge him for being into hina dolls they they actually are like wow that's really cool that you're so passionate about this thing it's just really wholesome to watch them interact with each other um and it's a really good time there's only one season so far i don't know if any more seasons will come out i'm fingers crossed because i absolutely love the dynamic between these characters and I would love to see more. So uh, definitely recommend y'all check that one out. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Thank you for that, Jeremy. And that is going to do it for today's episode of the Royals Rundown podcast. Please go follow us on Twitter. You can find all of our links down in the podcast description. Also, please go check out RoyalsReview.com and all the great work that is going on over there. We have a bunch of guests in the works um, i heard back from preston far today and he is very much looking forward to joining the podcast more often he is i Sweet. would i would kind of i don't know man he's he's been challenging royals farm report for that uh king uh, of he absolutely has. i have subscribed to him on patreon he is and he's started his own slack channel where you can just ask him questions about the prospects and he's got really interesting informative answers and i've i've been on there having a great time talking to him i look forward to having him on the show Heck yeah, heck yeah. But that is, like I said, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. You can answer today's question and answer on Spotify and Spotify alone. So please go check that out. We will be reading your responses on the air. But until next time, go Royals. <laughs>